0: Hey there skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as internet land. Welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Well this week we are back with a new episode and it is an exciting one but more about our guest in just a moment. Uh, First of all I'd like to thank everyone who has already discovered our latest venture merchandise from the Jungle Cruise. Uh, We've got t-shirts and other stuff designed by skippers for skippers. Or for anyone else, for that matter. Uh, you know, Skips are a uh, creative and diverse bunch. There's a lot of different talents that are out there. We're looking to give them a place to share their ideas uh, in the honored form of a novelty t-shirt. Now, we've got our uh, Tales from the Jungle Cruise swag there, as well as a lot of other fun and humorous products. Check us out by following the links over at Facebook.com slash Jungle C-R-E-W-S. Or you can go directly to our shop at gallery, G-A-L-L-O-R-E-E dot com and just search cruise in the search box. Uh, All of our shirts will come up. And by the way, if you are a skipper who would like to chat with us about designing shirts, uh, just drop me a line, junglecruise at gmail dot com. Now, if you had a chance to catch the Star Wars Celebration video feeds or if if you were there in person, you lucky ducks. Well, today, uh, our guest on the show will be no stranger to you even though you may not have known he was a skipper. DJ Elliot was cranking the tunes and energizing the crowds before the big unveiling of what was one of the coolest moments in Star Wars history, and this guy had some serious moves while he was on the stage. Skipper Elliot came to us as a listener of the podcast, and he has some incredibly unique experiences in the jungle. Oh, and uh, did I mention Skipper Elliot hails from the easternmost jungles of Orlando! That's right, everyone. We're headed back to Walt Disney World on the first of a two-part episode. So here we go. Season four, episode 19, as we sit down with the DJ Skipper. Congaloosh, everyone. So yeah, the have you been to the the new Trader Sam's Grog yes. Emporium? Yes.
1: Actually, there's a uh, there's an ex-Jungle Cruise skipper that works there, Kat Barton, and she. I remember when I when I came out here, uh, she was like, "Oh my God!" I, and I know you know the guy that opened Trader Sam's there. Talk to him because yeah. I want to work here so bad. And she just started, and she's. She fits in very well over there. Yeah, I was, and I think they have a couple ex adventurous Club people over there too.
0: Yeah, I was sad to um, to see the pollen. I mean, the fountains were so you know gorgeous, and uh, but you know things
1: have to get updated. That's you know no the the, re, the rehab looks fantastic. It's funny though because I thought that they would have gone oh okay so Trader Sam's in California is too small. Right. Let's make it bigger, and it's just as small if not smaller well you know the
0: funny part of that is you know the, the seating capacity for trader sam's mm. is 48 mm-hmm. you know the the uh seating capacity of a jungle cruise boat is yeah. 48 that's funny so yeah it's, i don't think that they intended that uh, yeah, that synchronicity so but i remember you coming here uh, now when did you uh will you say hi skipper this is skipper elliott sitting down with us here uh, Hey. When, when did you work now you were at disneyland and walt disney world
1: I was at Disney World, and we did a skipper swap. Yes. one. And so... What, what, what year was that that you... Oh, jeez. That was 2,000... Is 99 or 2,000. There was uh, five of us. So five... Five came here, five went there. Yeah. And then somehow, that same year... It must have been Year of a Million Dreams, or... It, it no, had no, 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 no. Because Year of a Million Dreams was, not, was 2005. Oh. 100 Years of Magic? I don't... It was it, it was a celebration. I, do, I just 40, can't remember which one 45th? it was. maybe. But everybody got all swapped around because we even had, we had people from Japan come to Florida. Yeah. And I remember that I remember working with them, and it was just it was a, a weird time.
0: Was it? Um, did, did we get all of our people back? Because you know I. You know, some of the, the it was just it skippers. was
1: just a week. It wasn't it yeah. wasn't like anybody went for a long period of no, time. But, but just I'm just saying just though, because if
0: I would have been transferred out to, to Orlando for a week, I might not have come back.
1: <laughs> um, well, know, it's you, it's humid. There's humidity there.
0: Yeah, but it's it's still good things. So when did you start uh, the uh, in Orlando? What was
1: the- So I, I started at Walt Disney World in the fall of 1997. I went for the Disney College Program. <laughs> And I knew when I got my job there, I wanted to work one of three places. I wanted to be at the Jungle Cruise, the Backlot Tour, or the Great Movie Ride. And when I got there, I found out that I was going to be working in Fantasyland Attractions. And I actually worked at Skyway. Um, I hated my job. I it's, it's not what I came to Disney to do. And uh, my very first day as an official cast member after Traditions, it was raining so hard that the Skyway was closed so they uh, they sent me to It's a Small World which was down for rehab and I shoveled money and pressure washed the floor it was, dis- <laughs> it was disgusting and it wasn't what I signed up for but uh, so my first like month and a half there I was miserable and uh, I just had a moment one day where I realized you know hey it's Disney I can either make the best of it and drink the Kool-Aid or you know be miserable you know
0: so then, did you ship when you uh, when you were through college program? Did you just say this is where I want to stay? You had enough opportunity. Yeah, to, it was for the f-
1: to... for the first time in my life I fit in with a group of people. You know, I I, I had you know I found myself, and it was just. Great people, and and I, I knew I was going to stay. I knew I wanted to go to Jungle Cruise because I would see the skippers. You know, back then they'd all walk together in the tunnel. You never saw one of them by themselves. You know, they'd sit in their little special corner in the cafeteria, and I was just envious. And that was the job I wanted. Um, and uh, I applied, and I got hired part time, which you know at the time, you know, I thought was great. Uh, I went over, I got trained, and for the first couple months I got scheduled a lot, and then I got then i got capped on my hours and it was you know hey now you're capped on your hours so here's you know 12 hours a week good luck living on that so i ended up applying in entertainment i went to entertainment I was in entertainment for a year, and then after an assignment at Typhoon Lagoon, I went back to Jungle Cruise yeah. and spent another year in, uh, in Adlib, and it was uh, fantastic.
0: Is, is, is there a point where you hit enough seniority oh, that, that you, man. then the the hour caps go away, or...
1: No, you have to get hired as a full-time employee. Okay. So, you you know, you're part-time, uh, Your or part-time CT... Time. really pulled, like, 12 hours? Um, I, th- I don't remember what, it might have been 18 hours, or, yeah. you know... There wasn't. There's, you know, full timers were guaranteed thirty-two hours, and I think part time was, was twelve or fifteen. It, it just wasn't enough. And yeah. Well,
0: are the new thing here? Obviously, is that the twenty-nine hour hard limit, unless you're full time, because you know they're, they're worried about the benefits yeah, side yeah. of things. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, and they're in the process now in Florida of eliminating all of their seasonal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seasonal have to work so many hours per quarter, and if yeah. they don't meet that quarterly market. Uh, they they boot them
0: and it's you know it's unfortunate because it really is a um, when I went into the interview process there were you know for every person who interviewed there were three jobs that were open Mm -hmm. uh, because they were just opening California Adventure now there's you know 200 applicants trying to get in for each position because of the the economy and so, it's
1: ironic because it's totally the opposite in florida they yeah. can't hire people fast enough yeah and so it's funny when you hear anytime they open something new you're like stop opening new stuff there's not enough people to work here
0: <laughs> well but then that's because it's not near a population yeah. center
1: I well and you've got two other major theme parks within you know 10 miles of each other so you've got universal with two theme parks and four almost and soon to be five hotels and sea world with you know Two parks, and yep. Disney World with five parks, two water parks, 99 holes of golf, you know, 42 hotels. Something like that's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs>
0: but, I mean, every time that I've gone down, though, it's it's been great because obviously it's a very different experience Mm -hmm. you know did you find when you when you came over here had you been over here to Disneyland before you came over for the exchange or was that your first
1: yes no I had uh, I had come as a I my friend and I drove cross country when he moved to LA and it was my first time here as a cast member I came as a kid but I don't really remember it it's funny because you look at everything so much differently when you've worked in the parks and so when I came as a cast member I just looked at it all like Oh wow, this is great, you know. I've just like I'm sure when you go to Florida, you're like, oh my god, this is where I want to work. because yeah. <laughs> uh, everything is bright you know, brighter on yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. the, the other side. Grass is always greener on the other side of the country. Well actually we don't have
0: grass anymore here in California <laughs> because we can't afford to water it. That's true, so. that's true.
1: And in Florida it rains every day at three o'clock, so <laughs> you have to get waterproof shoes. Uh, yeah, so it's just you know, I saw everything here and I was like, man, this would be really great. And then when the opportunity arose I was like, man, that's, that sounds like something I want to do. It would be cool to see the differences. And even though we swapped, like we didn't really... It was more like a gala press tour. Like we, we, you know, we got tours of everything. and I have no idea what the guys from California did because we kind of high-fived in the, in the air or whatever.
0: So um, how long had you been in Orlando? Was it your first time or second time that you were at Jungle when you came over to California? It was the
1: second time. Uh, The first time I I was uh, part time when I went back. The second time I was full time, and that's when I got trained at other attractions. Uh, Did Haunted Mansion very briefly, didn't like it, uh, so very quickly asked to go somewhere different. Uh, Spent a good time at the riverboat, which was very fun. You know, the opportunity to run the steam engine, and and, uh, it was the best rotation because, you know, by that time I had learned how to work the system. Like, do I want to go pull a eight-hour shift to Jungle Cruise where I'm, you know, in rotation, you know, there you would do two trips on a boat, two trips on dock, two trips on a boat, and then a break uh, for 20 minutes, and that was your rotation all day long, whereas at Riverboat, it was 30 minutes at Greeter, uh, 30 minutes in the wheelhouse, 30 minutes in Steam, 30-minute break, and that was your day. The only job better than that in Ad Lib was the Hall of Presidents. That Mm -hmm. was... 30 minutes in the rotunda, which realistically the cast member sat in the break room reading the newspaper, yeah. 30 minutes sitting, watching the show and then 30 minute breaks. Yeah. That's, that was how Lincoln was for yeah. us. It was a, one of the, the fun things that I, I got to learn. I,
0: I, I really enjoyed Lincoln, particularly yeah. uh, when it was wet or cold. It was <laughs> phenomenal to be uh, yeah, inside a building or air conditioning is just, you know, a great thing. Absolutely. So. Um, the, um, when, when you were going through the training process, uh, I mean, obviously, you, you had it in your head jungle was one of the things you wanted yep. to do. Did it did it match your expectations of what you thought of it from an outside viewpoint? That when you actually got into the operation side of it, did it was it what you expected when you uh, when you finally stepped into the boat?
1: It was so it was so cool because having had the experience in another part of the park, uh, where essentially at the Skyway you were just a body to open and close a door and push a car around a corner. Uh, So it was very physical. It was really nice to be in a boat and just be able to talk to people. Uh, Training was really cool. I had a great trainer. She was one of the first girls to work at the Jungle Cruise in Florida. Um, And she met her husband there, and I I still keep in contact with them, which has been cool. Mm -hmm. And we just had some really great people. It was just a really good time to be there. Uh, It was right around the time... Disney's Animal Kingdom opened, so a lot of skippers left and went to either go to safaris or the riverboat. They did their... uh, I don't even remember what the boats were called, but everybody left to go over there. And so that's how I got the full-time position, because it was open.
0: It's just funny that the genetics of the safari are rooted in Mm -hmm. jungle skippers. And a lot of them... I've heard that before, that a lot of them went over. But if you talk to them like in the last five years when I've been over... They hate jungle cruise skippers. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. it's like their genetics were split in two, and suddenly they detest. Cause it, it, they, it's
1: so they, funny because they wear the exact same costume. costume yeah. yeah, it's so strange. I uh, DJed I DJed a Halloween party this year uh, for the Adventureland Liberty Square attractions, and the funniest. Halloween costume I saw were three girls dressed in the Jungle Cruise costume, and they had armbands. One said Jungle Cruise, one said Kilimanjaro Safari, and the other said UPS. And it was the, <laughs> it was the funny, this is the funniest costume. Uh, and I definitely made sure they won something because I was like, that's brilliant. That yeah. was hilarious. Or and I think there were four because four, there was one that had Outdoor Foods because it's the same, uh, it's the same costume. So we're, I, we're getting real creative in costuming now. Yeah, nowadays.
0: I was sad when because I. My split. I worked um, three different tours of duty. Mm-hmm. One was DCA. One was Jungle. And then I left for a little bit and came back and did, did Jungle. And the costume had changed in between the two. And mm-hmm. it went from the the Indiana Jones white shirt, khakis, really cool. You know the yep. the bullet bullet vests, uh, the bullet coats with the uh, the the uh, yep. uh, pencil holders, whatever you want to call them. Same thing. Uh, and then when I came back, it was it was the you know the. Uh, uh, you know the Florida costume at Jungle and then Indy still had their costume so I, I knew both attractions mm-hmm.
1: uh, but yeah the Jungle costume was just weird yeah, I had the straw hat Jungle Walkers costume which the shirt was the outdoor food shirt and the shorts were like this cargo pants sort of thing and we had this oval belt like web belt mm-hmm. and that was it and then you wore socks and, and boots I, and I wore old military combat boots the whole time I was there yeah but I remember that most skippers on the headband, because we had the tiger print headband, and if you killed a boat, you would take a piece of grass and wrap wrap it around your headband. And I know by the time I left, I had grass all around my headband. Because <laughs> uh, if you killed the boat, then, you know you'd have your break, you know, you'd be out, you'd do one trip and then get to take your break. And it was really easy in the summer to overheat those boats. Because you'd just forward reverse, forward reverse, forward right. reverse, and they'd die and then they'd have to come back and rescue you. And the greatest thing about a dead trip or a stall, that was when you were allowed to go into your own personal material. And that was you know, you prayed for that. You know, you yep. didn't want a trip to be the perfect you know 10 12 minute trip you wanted that 15 minute trip. Sure.
0: Uh it ours was throttle cables. It seemed mm-hmm. like that was the big thing was that the throttle cable between the uh would snap mm-hmm. would be the, the thing that tended to throw the boats off if it wasn't a derail. Uh it was usually the throttle throttle cable going out. There weren't yeah. a lot of other mechanical
1: No our big one was overheats. That yeah. one, you would overheat it and then they tow it off, push it off and you know once the engine cooled down they'd push it back out there. Because I think the original the original boat engines were like 71 Chevelle. It was like a Chevy engine in the original boats. And then the new ones when they came in, I remember they made a big deal about it. It was Toyota because they were quieter and more efficient. And uh, they were super fast when we got them. We went, yeah. down, we went from like 10-minute trips to 8-minute trips. And then they finally Put a tuned it, on it. down yeah, yeah. and figured out how to slow it uh, down. Yeah, I, I,
0: uh, I imagine that the early ones were like, you know, uh, Lincoln Town Car, 55 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, motors, because yeah. they were. No, um, I was talking to the guy who, who opened the park in 55, and they actually, um, they were commercial boat motors. They oh, were wow. actual, uh, he was saying that, because they, they actually were, were, had to bring a, people in who knew, like, boat operations. So they hired longshoremen to be foremen in the first few years oh. of the park. So it was really an That's interesting cool. uh, game. On it. so, did you find in that early time, that late '90s, were they fairly tight in Florida on on scripting and policing skippers, and was it a fairly uh, heavy-handed operation, or what, was there just until you got to know the
1: system? When I when I first started, we were trained on the on the original spiel, and we were told to stick to the spiel. But there was no punishment for deviating from the script. Uh, they didn't. You know, there were you didn't have to sign spiel commitment forms or anything that like that. It was just like if you're going to deviate, it needs to stay in theme. This is the time period we're in. This is what's appropriate. Don't acknowledge today. Don't talk about any of that. It's all in theme. And most of us, for the most part, did that. And then we had a manager come over from Guest Relations, and once he came over there, he made all sorts of changes. And so we always... I remember we used to joke that, you know, the day that, you know, he came over was the day that creativity died at the Jungle Cruise and I remember that he would he would go out and he would hide in the jungle and try to catch you off script and so you'd be out there and you'd be like you know well, we've got hippos and elephants and uh, our assistant manager you know he's the rarest jungle you know, rarest jungle animal
0: well it's good that they were following in the traditions of the of the uh, Anaheim uh, Jungle Cruise from the 70s and 80s uh, because the management hiding in the jungle was a very regular practice <laughs> during that time and uh, yeah, it's, we were talking uh, before we started recording about how tough it is for current generations of skips. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine, with everyone running their phones and, and the video mm-hmm. side of it, uh, how paranoid... <whistles> and there's the whistle again. The pool's closed. Yep. Darn it, we have to get out of the hot tub now. Ah, oh, this is so disappointing. Ah, uh, where's my towel? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's. I, c- I couldn't imagine, uh, yeah. you know, being in a place where... Uh, where it was so heavily policed, and everything's on YouTube, and
1: because uh, I mean I knew where in the jungle they there's only there was only like three or four places they could be. Sure,
0: because the trails are yeah. you know places they can get out and back fast enough. So. so
1: and the big place in Florida that they would hide would be in the temple, you know, because it was connected to the maintenance bay, and they could get there without us seeing them get back there. Sure. And you know the rule always was in Florida, don't talk in yeah, the temple, feeling no in the temple, but. Some of the best jokes were in the temple You know, you got the, you know, people I never liked the Tiger Woods joke I did the Brass Monkey joke all the time And the, you know, the Reese's Monkeys Was my favorite joke in the tunnel But, uh, and then people would do The cost an arm and a leg joke with the The statues and, you know It's just so, it's so funny
0: Yeah The, um, did you find when you came over For the exchange that a lot of the jokes were easy To, uh, adapt over? Was it, uh, was it a lot of, you know Chatting back and forth and hearing other people's stuff.
1: The cool thing was it was there are a couple things at the Disneyland Jungle Cruise. I, I like the I like the setup and the order of things. And my favorite, I think my fa- and I'm I'm, I'm I'm it's probably a hundred percent off script. My favorite thing I've ever seen done in, at Disneyland is the berating the natives for not attacking the boat yeah. correctly. Oh yeah. I mean, it, 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 it may be
0: it may be off script, but God, everyone does it.
1: You know, it was my favorite one, and and recently my favorite thing in Florida lately has been, and I've seen two female skippers do it in in, in the hippo pool, and it's the you know now I'm gonna scare away these don't worry I'm gonna scare away these hippos and and, the, and what is it I'll scare away these hippos the same way I scare away the men in my life, and the girl will yell, "I love you." I want commitment, and it's it's brilliant. It is, I can't believe we didn't think about it twenty years ago. Yeah, it, it's amazing.
0: Well, and that's the you know the, one of the things that um, as we go through the generations mm-hmm. is you know I'll talk to a skipper from five years ago who say yeah I thought of this great joke and yep. he did it and it told me the details of the joke and then I talked to the guy who was there in the 90s tells me the exact same yep. joke and that he invented it then I talked to this guy who worked in the 50s yep. when they supposedly didn't have jokes you mm-hmm. know we, we've we always had that belief that the the 50s were the dry air and yep. there was no humor he said no there were jokes in the script they just weren't like the jokes today they yep. were much more subtle and, and uh, you only used one or two a trip and they were but, you know, if you had a boat go down, he said you'd have to entertain people. Yeah. So you had to have that repertoire of funny stories, and that's kind of how it developed organically.
1: To all the young Jungle Cruise skippers out there, I say there's no such thing as original material. No, no. It's all been done before.
0: And, and you know what? It's But it's, it's different. I, I like what we were saying. Uh, the spirit of the jungle yeah. is, as long as you're in the spirit of it... Um, you know, my big thing was always wordplay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you could have... Things that have different meaning, or you could, you know, slip little
1: things in that people wouldn't expect. Yep. Um, it's all in the delivery. The the jokes are not funny. Yeah. And when, because I was uh, before I left, I made it to trainer, and and I would tell the kids, I'd be like, look, these jokes aren't funny. They've yeah. never been funny. They're never going to be funny. It's all in how you deliver it. And if you try to come across as sarcastic, it reads as bored.
0: Well, or if you're a woman, it reads as bitchy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which is which is the horrible double standard of yeah. women of the Jungle Cruise is that they can't have the same foibles as men because of the perception.
1: But if you're bubbly and happy and you believe what you're saying, yeah. and I always found if you deliver it quickly, then it's funny.
0: Yeah, the the but I will say that but yes, but one of my favorite skippers ever was was late '90s here on this mm-hmm. this side. It was this tiny petite. Uh, super white skin black braids skipper Mm -hmm. and she sat at the front of the boat and delivered it deadpan it was it was Wednesday Adams (laughs) and I mean she there was not a bit of emotion or tone in her voice and it was the funniest trip I've ever been on even after all these years she just she crushed it and But you have to be yeah. the right person at the yeah. right time with the right understanding of it.
1: And there are, and there are skippers that are only funny to skippers. Like, oh, to God. me, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Lessel in Florida, one of the funniest Jungle Cruise skippers you'll see. If you're a skipper, if you're a guest on the boat, you will look at him and be like, I don't know what the heck this guy's talking about. But he was trained prior to the Spiel commitment form. Yeah. So he could say whatever he wanted to say. You know, because a lot of those guys had seniority. An- another one of the big reasons that I think we lost the creativity and really good Jungle Cruise skippers in Florida was because the Florida Jungle Cruise Adventureland Land R- Liberty Square at the time that I was there had the strongest union presence on property, and some of the highest seniority union guys were horrible Jungle Cruise skippers. But they wanted the shift because they came in at six o'clock, they did opening procedures for two hours. Yep. You know, they'd start running boats by, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you know, they'd get their lunch break, they'd come back and go in rotation for another hour and then they'd go to the parade. So it was like the easiest shift they could get. Yep. And you know, those guys were there for the paycheck, they weren't there. Yep. You know, and again, you know, once once the union got involved it was, you know, it, it's not based on creativity, it's based on seniority.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you were saying that there's the, the skippers that are funny to the guests mm-hmm. and then there's the skippers that are funny to other skippers, but it's usually not both. I was actually one of those rare skippers who was not funny to either of them. It was it was very strange. I I was not
1: uh I, I was I was the social butterfly I liked to get everybody together to go out and do stuff after work but at the time I was back at Jungle Cruise the the first time I was there nobody really knew who I was and I was still young and learning myself but by the time I got back I had just started DJing in Florida yeah. um, so I, I wasn't I was making good enough money that it wasn't my main source of income so you know it was always like let's go out here you know yeah. Pleasure Island was really big at the time you know Thursday nights we'd go out there I'd always make sure that we walked in the tunnel together cuz I wanted to uphold those traditions that I had seen and it was really neat cuz by that time I was you know old at the Jungle Cruise being you know 25 you know 25 years old with all these you know 18 to 22 year olds looking up to me um, I can't even imagine now Like Some of the guys that I worked with That I thought were old now Are still there, which I, I find amusing But uh, I just can't imagine like, As much as I loved it I would go back to m- I would do it for the rest of my life If I could make the kind of money that I'm making Doing what I do now yeah. But
0: yeah. Well that's all I've always said If if you If you're not having to do it for the money mm-hmm. Working at Disney is the best job you'll ever yeah. have it is if, if you're depending on it for a paycheck or yeah. you're trying to juggle school with that it's, it can be a nightmare.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You know, I when I was I was in I started when I was in my when I was thirty at mm. DCA and it was supposed to be a six month summer job. So I, you know, got a divorce, bought a new mm-hmm. car, paid off my bills, had a midlife crisis at thirty, which upsets my wife because now she figures at sixty I'm dead. You know? <laughs> um, that's math. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Um, but yeah, it's for me. I was 32 or 33 when I was over at Jungle at the start, and uh, you want to talk about a weird thing when you're twice as old as anyone yeah. else that's working. And there were guys who were there who were in their you know 50s and 60s, uh, but I would, I mean, I would happily. You know, go back and retire. You know, at, oh, at yeah. some point, when I have the money to not worry about it, I will totally go back. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when I don't have the legal encumbrances of a podcast that uh, I couldn't do anymore if I went back to <laughs> Disney, uh, little things like intellectual property and them owning any creative stuff you do while you work for them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so what? What? Uh, what got you on the DJ side of things? Is it just um, I, well, I DJed in college, and when I got to Florida, I saw a DJ at my college program function, and was like, oh my gosh, like this is the job, this is the one I want. And when I went up and talked to him, the guy blew me off, he told me, get lost, I'm not interested in helping you. And then, through working in entertainment, I ran into a guy that, his roommate happened to be a DJ at Walt Disney World, and I started apprenticing with him, and then over the course of... You know, the next couple years, auditioned a bunch, and finally, after five auditions over the course of six years, I I got hired, and I've been doing that ever since, and it's been fantastic, uh, getting the opportunity to travel and, and see all these these different things. It's it's been a, a rough road, but uh, again, if had I not worked at Jungle Cruise, that's what really made me a good Disney DJ. Yeah. was the ability to read a crowd, because you learn really quickly. Like you see the you know the 48 people on your boat and you have to figure out immediately what type of crowd is this you know I remember everybody would be terrified when the Brazilian tour groups would show up and they'd be like oh no no and we used to have a have a policy where you'd load ha- half the boat with the group and half the boat with English and I would always say no 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 I want all of them yeah <laughs> I want all of them on the boat because they have no clue what I'm saying, and I know enough Portuguese to sing their songs with them, and we'd just sing songs going around the jungle. I have no idea what I was saying, but they were always the most fun groups for me. See, ours were, ours were the Japanese tourists mm-hmm. um, because it was...
0: Um, it was strange because they were, we would get this boat, like 48 guys in identical business suits, white shirts, identical ties, and they would sit there on the boat in abject silence, the entire trip. They didn't laugh. They didn't, they swiveled their heads and looked, but there was not any sound coming out of them. And I did this trip one time, and usually it was very uneventful, you know, get them on, get him off. Yeah. So I took the trip around, I got it through the exit, and I'm just like, just like, this was a, so frustrating. The jokes didn't, you know, you can't tell if they're working. So I get off, and these two guys get off, one turns the other in perfect English. Hey, that guy was pretty good. I'm just, oh, son of a. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and ours is the opposite. We have the Brazilian tour groups come. They all wear the same bright yellow, green shirts yep. and they're loud and obnoxious and and again, they're, they're just trying to have a good time, but yep. you know, a lot of people kind of really let you know. It, it's funny cuz a lot of uh, after being a cast member for as long as I've been and and in the position that I'm in now with the opportunity to still work with cast members mm-hmm. they it's like this generation of cast member can't put up with the sort of stuff that we had to put up yeah, with. Yeah, those kids these days. Yeah, I know. You know it's Get funny, off my lawn. It's
0: funny. We also have this <laughs> group of people who would come in and be really obnoxious and wear brightly colored clothing. And we, we call them people from the Midwest.
1: There you go. Uh, that was always our our, <laughs> our big change. See, I can't imagine having to deal with annual pass holders. Because yeah. they know, they know the script better well, than you do. You know, the funny part of it is
0: when I was the first time I was around the the o two to 5 ish area. Um, I loved APs because we would be so slow at night um, yeah. that. You would have the same people who would come and ride the ride over and over and over again or just sit in the boat if there's not enough people. And there were some people. Uh, there's a guy named Norm Kerbel who uh, is a, a hypnotist and amazing stage guy, music, magician. And he would come on and just ride the boats over and over. I love Norm. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the, the the same people, but it was different because I was a little older, we had a guy who uh, was, I want to say, 21, 22, kind of, you know, Funny, not super great looking, but you know that nerdy, good-looking yeah. thing. He uh, he actually met his wife because she was an AP, and she came and rode his boat oh. like two to three nights a week for four hours. Wow! And eventually, you know, the love blossomed because that's what stalker stalkerdom is really about yeah. is developing that long-term love. Exactly,
1: it's the love boat now.
0: Yeah, uh, but he's had, not a
1: skipper; he's Captain Stubing. Uh,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Sh- Captain Stooping. Um, <laughs> did, did um that was that was that was actually it's good when I can get a good joke. There you go. Um god where the hell was oh, but yeah but no it was uh, for the most part the APs were really good in the early on. Mm-hmm. Uh toward the later time I think they really got to be very entitled.
1: Uh the new- I think I and I don't think it's just an AP thing. I think it's oh, yeah, just everyone. I culturally? think it's just a culture because it's the same thing. Like, and I think it's guess, actually guess within Disney, be, within yeah. Disney
0: culture. The new thing that I just hate with a passion is this social group thing. Where you have people who wear yeah, we
1: don't have that. It's like, I, I've seen the, the it's like, like the fake
0: motorcycle, like the biker gangs, the fake biker, biker around. gangs. Yeah, I want one
1: of those Jungle Cruise biker jackets. I'm like, just waiting for time. I'm just
0: waiting for someone to pop off to a, a real biker because they think he's from a different you know, social group, uh, and for the biker just to go off on him because you know that you know.
1: Yeah, it's just it's so funny because that's a culture that we don't have we want it like we want the attendance from the annual pass
0: holders but but there's no there's no population center close enough to you to have it well no and we've
1: we've got we've got some good ones and we've got some podcasters that come out and and do a lot of stuff but it's just so it's it's ironic a a good majority our annual pass holders are replaced by cast members yeah that would be our big group and you know we're you know we're our worst credit you know, cast members are the worst critics. Yeah, if you, if you want to see, I've always been amazed. I've never seen a group of people more nasty to each other than fellow cast members. Like, <laughs> you'd think it would be the opposite, and it's been, it was so funny because I've had the opportunity to go to Tokyo and, and just this last, uh, just a couple months ago, we went out to to Paris, and it was so. Interesting to see how nicely they took care of us going here. Even coming to Florida, even coming to California, usually when you mention, "Hey, you know, I work in Florida," they're like, "Yeah, ours is better, but we'll still help you out and hook you up." <laughs> but man, if you're from Disneyland or Tokyo or Paris and you come to Walt Disney World, you are on your own because we aren't helping you with nothing. Yeah, it's fine. The um,
0: the, my my most recent Orlando trip, I haven't up the most. The one, it was a. Uh, middle of the aughts and it was the worst trip possible that i could imagine because it was the day that the incident happened at big thunder railroad here in california and the entire trip all anytime i brought out my california id that was all any of the cast members there wanted to talk about and i i honestly quit asking for my employee discount because i didn't want to talk about it anymore It was just really fatiguing. I mean, it was an awful thing. Well, no, and
1: and it's interesting because I would... My assumption would be, because of the size of Disneyland, you at least know somebody that works with that person or is around that person. Whereas Walt Disney World at, you know, 78,000 people that work there, like... You know, that whole situation was just an ordeal for everyone working, so...
0: And I'm sure the Columbia incident. Was well, no, the same, and when we just or, yeah.
1: we just dealt with our accident that happened at the Speedway a couple a couple days ago, and yeah. my because uh, my my girlfriend is a manager at the Lights Motors Action Show, which is the automobile stunt show. Yes. So they, of course, knew the driver that was in the accident. And again, everybody's you know, anytime there's a tragedy at Disney, you know, statistically, it
0: still is an incredibly safe. Oh yeah, place. absolutely. You know, it's safer than taking a bath statistically.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I'm still waiting for the day, man. <laughs> there is going to be a horrible thing that happens in the parks one of these days that's going to make national news. I I was working at uh, at Walt Disney World on September 11th. Yep. I was doing a shift yep. that day. I was
0: at California Adventure. Yeah.
1: Now I remember what we were we were in Tomorrowland working that day, and I just remember them pulling everybody in and saying, "Okay, we're going to clear the park," and nobody knew why. And they started with security in the back of the park and just slowly walked everybody to the front and cleared the park. Yep. Uh, I, I assume you guys didn't even open that. No, day. no, we didn't open that. Yeah. Day. It was one of the few
0: days that the parks were closed out yeah. here. The, um, you know the, the very first episode of this podcast really happened because I was we had a skipper who I worked with uh, who was at Jungle at that time and he was leaving for uh, Carbondale, Illinois, I think it is, uh, to go to school and I didn't want to let his stories leave. So, I had gotten this mic, you yeah. know, for something else unrelated. So, we just sat down and it was horrible audio quality. Yeah. Uh, it's the thing, I... okay. So, you know from experience that we, you found because the nerdist, yeah. and the things that happen with the nerdist uh, increasing the volume and amplifying the signal. The problem with that is when you find a new podcast, your natural assumption Listen is to the first one. start to the first yeah. one. My problem was my first my first two, which was the first episode split in half, the audio quality was terrible. And, you know, I didn't know, I still can't edit it because I didn't have the levels <laughs> right in the first place. The third episode, we kind of got there, but there was a bunch of screwing around. I don't regret, the, you know, what we talked about, but at the time it was just kind of, you know, for the half a dozen friends that I had who were interested, you know, and it grew a little bit of time, but now everyone goes back and that first episode is the first thing that they hear and I just want to put a disclaimer tag on it saying, just wait until I learn how to use a microphone. It gets better.
1: <laughs> you need I to, do the, you need to do, the, do the special edition where you do the intro uh, and then go into it.
0: We did that. We actually we did that for the Nerdist, and we, we uh, put a new intro on uh, an episode, mm-hmm. uh, a really good one. That got, uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about it. A guy from who worked there from 68 to 84. Okay. And... Uh, didn't know that he was gonna have the stories that he was gonna have <laughs> and it ended up turning into two and a half hours of recording and it's it's just ridiculous wally bogue story okay, yeah. and really really good stuff so so tell me um you know I, I think we get a lot of misconceptions because we don't know what it's like we go maybe on vacation we ride the rides um let's talk what the differences are between you know obviously the biggest one is the good Well, no, I think the scale. Okay, yeah. Because the show spacing is different. I think that that changes the joke structure. Um, Because you're doing a ten-minute trip, and most of that extra two minutes over what we run here is the distance between the set scenes. Because if you look at the distance that you've got between, you know, any two, you know, anything that you've got there... That's the same that we have stuffed five things into. Yeah. Because when you go from the veld to the rhino to the hippo pool to the natives, that's like you know that's a long drive patch for you between you know uh, the gorillas and you yeah. know. And so I mean, that's a huge difference in spacing because you really have to throttle down between. Can you can you tell jokes in between the show scenes, or do you really have to go joke?
1: joke drive joke drive it's it's joke drive joke joke drive for the most part like uh you know you pull out you do your intro and and like and you you talk about how in in california you pull out full speed and you go in florida you pull out and right right after you get under the canopy you throttle back hey you know i'm your skipper elephant tamer and possibly swimming instructor and then throttle up Mm -hmm. All right, there are the butterflies. Let's talk about the butterflies slow down. Yeah. All right, throttle up. Now we're going to go around the corner, go around the corner, Inspiration Falls. Uh, And then since I've worked there, they added the quote-unquote jungle book. That wasn't there when I worked there because there was just a big, long space from Inspiration Falls to Pygmies. And then from Pygmies, you've got a couple seconds until you're, you know, the python. And then Python. Now yep. you're Gorilla Camp, and the space, you know, from Gorilla Camp to Elephants is pretty far too. And then you, you know, See,
0: and it's it's tough because for 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 the because you know because you came out here, yeah. it's it's almost rapid fire. You're yeah, tell, it's joke after joke after joke here, and the pacing for me when I went out to Orlando, that was the thing that that was really different. I um I got to spiel a boat when mm-hmm. I was out there because I had told them. I'm out here, yada yada, and it yeah. was a dead time in the afternoon, and it was the it was changeover. Yeah. Uh, so they threw me in a boat, and I, you know, I had a dozen or so people who were on changeover rode my boat, and I told all of the all of the uh, Anaheim jokes, uh, which some worked, some didn't. <laughs> uh, but the thing that struck me, because uh, obviously I wasn't running the throttle, yeah. I just had the mic. Uh, but it, what struck me is that spacing was so challenging because. I, I'm so used to filling the silence um, that it, it was it was hard. It was a, a tough challenge. Um, the one that I... I don't even know how uh, Hong Kong does it because, you know, all the skippers are fluent in three languages. Yes. Holy shit. They have to know uh, mm-hmm. Cantonese, Mandarin, and English. Yeah. And they just... It, it literally, it swaps them out in between trips. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's I, such I can't a, even imagine it's... how they... But it's so funny because you go to these other these other parks and, and I realize this in Disneyland, uh, Paris, there's so much unemployment in Paris that to get a job at Disneyland is a huge deal. And what's really neat to see is almost everybody that's there has a fifteen or twenty year on the pin on their name tag. Yeah. Like no one is brand new. Everyone has been there forever. And the same thing in Japan, like the 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 care and love that they have for being able to work at this place, it's it's mind-blowing. I mean, even their costume characters are in character backstage. You know, Mickey Mouse gets dressed, we're not even... Backstage people can see him getting dressed sure. And he'll walk, you know, they'll go in by themselves Put the costume on and come out And animate all backstage And it's yeah. crazy because you're like You're you're wasting, you know, whereas I did it in, in Florida, I never would animate Backstage, I, I'd talk to people with my Head on just because I guess we're lazy Americans, I have no, no idea No, you
0: know, I think part of it is that there's I think the concept Of having a sense of mystery Still is out mm-hmm. there in, in parts of the world but I think that the American culture has been, and maybe I don't know. It's I don't, I don't want to get too philosophical. Yes, I think that you know Dave Koenig's books were the the start of mm-hmm. looking behind the curtain from the Disney perspective. But you know, uh, conspiracy theories, the Kennedy yeah. assassination, and there was this national kind of a, a push to learn about what's behind everything. Yeah. And I think that we we kind of had lost that sense of magic and sense of innocence that is really still there in other parts of the world um, we've got to get that back as Americans <laughs> uh, we're number one in breaking through magic um, but yeah no, it's uh, they, they just I, you've seen the video of the Hong Kong yes oh I my have. god it's just an amazing ride it's got to be a 15 minute trip I mean it's just a huge it's, it's another half again as long as as Orlando yeah, no, our the our voices here just, you know, it is talking just constantly and we, we would be in, you know, allergy season or we'd be in uh you know the cold season and it was it was nightmare on uh the number of call outs we'd have with people who were getting sinus infections or mm-hmm. just tearing their throat apart. <coughs> As am evidencing by the fact that I'm talking and coughing <laughs> right now. It happens. What um you know what? What was the, what were the difficulties of Orlando versus, you know, here? What what are the things that really that you saw? Was it weather related issues? That that what were the things that you kind of looked at and go, uh, I don't want to deal with that. Was it was it weather? Was it
1: you know, hordes of locusts, uh, rain of frogs? <laughs> no, I think I think the the hardest part about jungle in Florida is that the break space that they have for you in between being on the boat and not being on the boat is outdoors too uh it's not even technically according to union regulations a break room it's uh <laughs> it's 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 some it's a patio off of the the maintenance spur backstage with some lockers making walls and two giant fans in it and that that was all we had and we had to we in order to go to the bathroom we'd have to walk up to first aid it was it was quite the quite the walk.
0: Uh, it's it's funny because that's not honestly not too far from how Anaheim is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the official break area is all the way backstage, past boat storage and down. Yeah. Um. And the uh the area we all hung, hung out in was behind Aladdin's Oasis, which is where the boat storage was. Where mm-hmm. if they're running a show, it was a pain because we were getting in their way. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, the bathroom issue could be really really tough and. The, the people who'd been there long enough would realize that there were a couple hidden ones uh, that you could sneak into mm-hmm. and if you were really desperate you could sneak into the tiki room bathroom because uh, the tiki bathrooms are the best kept secret in the whole park <laughs> uh, they are the, uh, the most immaculately clean bathrooms at Disneyland and there's seldom anyone who uses them they're uh, a fantastic secret I love the hidden Disney secrets yes. we're spoiling it all
1: that would be the upstairs cast member bathroom at Haunted Mansion that oh. nobody knows about the, yeah. with the little locker room. But they're haunted, so if you go up there and, you know, see blood on the walls, then uh, that's the haunted, Haunted Mansion bathroom. <laughs>
0: Either that or it's performance review days at the uh, Haunted
1: Mansion. <laughs> One or the other. Blood everywhere.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, what else have I... I mean, I love, obviously, If you've heard a couple of the episodes by now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, what are the other like when someone talks to you about working at the Jungle Cruise? What, what's the story? What's the thing that you pull out of your bag when you're at a party and and tell your your Jungle Cruise story?
1: So the big the big Jungle Cruise stories, uh, I was there for.